0: For us from John chapter nine verse one through seven. This is one of a portion of one of the lectionary readings for today's Sunday. John nine verse one through seven says As he, that is Jesus, as Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is today, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home, seeing, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that um, even uh, while we meet together remotely, that your word will be powerful, living, true, that it will speak to us in deep and and transformative ways for your glory. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. So what i'd like to do is just make three observations about this passage all right three observations here we go observation number one our god can work in any situation for his glory and for our good there is there is no situation in this life uh, so dark or so painful or so difficult that it can stop god from doing the wonderful the wonderful works he has planned for us. You you cannot stop God from from glorifying his name in the lives of his people. Now, in this passage, we read of a a situation that was obviously very, very painful. We read in verse one that there was a man who had been born blind. And so this means that for this man's entire life, he had never been able to see anything. Later in the chapter, we find out that because of because of this man's disability, he had been reduced to a life of humiliation, a life of poverty. We read that he was a beggar. So Jesus and his disciples are walking through the city. They see this man at the side of the road. And as the disciples begin to contemplate the, uh, the depth of this man's suffering, they ask Jesus a question that to me seems very logical. Verse 2, they say, Rabbi, Rabbi means teacher. They say, Rabbi, who sinned? this man or his parents that he was born blind now I think the reason they the disciples asked this question is because they just they could not make any sense out of this man's suffering why had a man like this been condemned to a lifetime of darkness was it because his parents had sinned in some way that that didn't make any sense Why, well, if the parents had sinned why would God punish their child or is it because perhaps this man had sinned? Again, that doesn't make any sense. How how could he have sinned before he was born? So the disciples, they raised this question because they, they were faced with, listen, they were faced with the same thing that we see in our world. They were they were faced with suffering that um, did not make any sense to them. Why, why would a man like this be born blind? And listen, we ask questions like that, don't we? Um, all the time questions, you know, like why did my mom get cancer? Um, why did I lose my job? Why, why uh, was my immigration petition denied? Other people lied on their papers. They were accepted. I told the truth. Why didn't God help me? Um, questions like why, why won't my depression go away? Why doesn't God answer my prayers? We ask questions like this and of course the big question people all over the world are asking right now why did God allow this virus, this coronavirus, to become a pandemic and spread throughout the world? So when we we ask these kinds of questions when we're faced with with suffering that we just don't understand, and that's and that's what the disciples are doing here. Verse two, they ask him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? Why did this happen? Now Jesus. Um, doesn't seem very interested in spending a lot of time exploring the answer to their question. Notice he just says to them, neither this man nor his parents sinned. And I don't think he's saying that these were perfect people who had never done anything wrong. He's just kind of saying, I I don't, that's not the question to ask. And in in fact, I don't even want to engage in some kind of philosophical exploration with you of the problem of suffering in the world. He, he, He steers them away from their question. I'm not going to answer the question, he says. And then in the verse 3, he says, I'm going to tell you this. Not the cause of the suffering, but the purpose of the suffering. End of of verse 3, he says, this happened to this man. Why? So that the works of God might be displayed in him. So rather than, uh, you know... Trying to unravel all the mysteries of of suffering in the world. He he turned his disciples away from that debate. And he said, I want to tell you something. This is hard to understand. This man's life doesn't make any sense. We can't easily explain why this happened. But I'm telling you, God is going to do something amazing in this suffering for that man. God God is going to do something good for him. This happened so that the works of God might be displayed in his life. Now, the Bible would tell us that what Jesus said about that blind man is true about all of God's children. It, this is true for anyone and everyone who, turning from their sin, has placed their trust in Jesus as their Savior. Um, whatever is happening to us, whatever has happened to you, this has happened, Jesus would say, so that the work of God is, might be displayed in you. We say that see that same thought uh, repeated or voiced in Romans chapter 8 verse 28. Do you know this verse Romans 8:28 and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who've been called according to his purpose. God is at work in ways we cannot see for good. Now would you agree with me that' that's, that is not always? Easy to believe. I, 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 I wonder if it was easy for this this blind man to believe that God was going to ever do anything good through his suffering. I mean, this we're told he was a grown man. How old was he? 20 years old? 25? 30? 35? We, we don't know how old he was, but we do know this, that year after year, month after month, week after week, day after day, every morning of this man's life, he had woken up. Unable to see. Condemned to a life of begging. And I I wonder if he ever thought to himself, I don't see how anything good, I don't see how anything good could ever come from this. And all that time he had no idea that God was planning to do something amazing. Now this is hard to believe uh, when we're really going through dark trials, and it might be hard for us to believe that out of this uh, global time of suffering and fear and uncertainty and and disorder, uh, that God will work for good. But the promise of of the Bible is that, that, uh, that nothing can stop our God from accomplishing His good purpose for the glory of His name and the good of His people. I, I wonder if uh, someday we will look back on this pandemic and perhaps meet people who will say, that was the moment God changed my life. That was the moment God healed our family. That, that was the moment I my heart opened to Jesus. We may not see these things until, listen, until we stand with Christ in eternity. But the Bible tells us God is at work. There's a verse in, in John chapter 13 that I love. A little bit out of context, but in the context, um, Peter was very distraught over something Jesus was doing that did not make any sense to him. He was trying to, to, to uh, make some sense of it. And Jesus Jesus said these words to Peter, and I believe, I believe Jesus says these words to every follower of his who is going through a time of uncertainty or pain or fear. Here's what Jesus said to Peter. He said, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. And so, guys, the first observation from this this passage is that even in the darkest situation, God is at work for His good, for His glory, for our good, and so we can trust Him. Right now, second observation is this: um, observations, observation, opportunities for serving others are very important to Jesus. Opportunities for service are important to Jesus. So you'll notice in this passage, the disciples raise this this deep philosophical question. Not, Not only does Jesus kind of steer them away from the question because he wants them just to trust God, but also he steers them away from this question because he wants them to get to work. I mean, it's one its one thing to, to sit around and, and, and pontificate and, and, and ponder about why they're suffering in the world. It's another thing just to say, you know what, whether I understand it or not, theres there are people suffering. What can I do to help them? And so that's kind of what the point Jesus makes after, after, uh, after telling them that God is going to do something good in this man's life. Jesus says this, verse 4, he says, as long as it is today we must do the works of him who sent me night is coming when no one can work now he talks about day and night i think he's using metaphorical language here would you agree with me and he's basically saying listen guys right now it's day but the sun will set sometime right now we have an opportunity we have an opportunity to do the work of god but that opportunity will not be here forever he says as long as it it is today we did you notice he says we not just i we must do the works of him who sent me we must serve others while we have the chance and then as as soon as jesus says that what does he do well verse six as he bends down and he gets to work he says after saying this he spit on the ground made some mud with the saliva put it on the man's eyes go he told him washed in the pool of Siloam. So it seems that what Jesus was trying to say to his disciples is, listen, instead of, instead of merely being distressed by the suffering in the world, or, or instead of just, you know, standing around musing over what, trying to figure out why it happens, he says, listen, while we have an, a, an opportunity to help suffering people, let's do something about it. Now, don't you think that that's a timely word for the church of Jesus Christ right now? Uh, right now, we are in uh, we are in a situation where we are surrounded by people who are suffering, whether they're sick with the virus or not. Every everyone around us is filled with fear and anxiety, and, and, and needs some kind of help. and And this is an opportunity for us to serve. It, it, I know it's hard to believe um, because. Um, this whole situation seems that it's going to drag on for a long time. This might last for several months. Uh, you know, it's going to seem like it's it's going to last forever. But this will not last forever. This this crisis will come to an end. Uh, I don't know when. Nobody knows when. But it, it, won't, it won't be forever. And so the day the day will come when this whole corona, this whole coronavirus situation, this will just be a memory for. Like you know, those of us who were in New York in 2001, we said, "You remember 9/11?" And we remember it. That opportunity for serving is gone. Right now, right now, we have a temporary opportunity to serve others um, in ways that won't always be here. So I think Christ would say to us, "As long as it's day, let's do the works, the works of Him who sent Christ." Um, John Calvin, I I think he was commenting on this passage. This is what he wrote. He says, As the shortness of daylight stirs laborers to work hard so that they may not be overtaken by the darkness of night before their job is done, so when we see that a short time of life is allotted to us, we should be ashamed of idleness. Another scholar commenting on, on this passage in John 9 said this, The existence of human suffering is a call to work, not simply to reflect. For Jesus himself, but also for his disciples in every age, there is an urgency to be reckoned with. So an opportunity to serve others for the glory of God, like we have right now, is important to Jesus. Now, of course, the question to ask is, how how can, how can might we serve other people around us in this time of coronavirus? Um, a main way that we could serve, isn't, isn't this weird? A main way that we can serve our neighbors is just by staying away from them, um, isolating ourselves, maintaining social distance. Um, this, they tell us, is, is actually an act of love and concern, especially for those in, um, around us who might be at risk, higher risk for this disease. So that's one way, just stay home. We're serving others. Another way to serve is looking for appropriately um, safe ways to reach out to neighbors who might need help. I had a, a chance to do this the other day, and I have a very elderly and firm couple that live next door to me on the same floor in my building just knock on their door and then stand way back and, and just say, you know, Tom, uh, I live next door. If, if you need anything at all, you need someone to go to the supermarket, let me know. So you, you might have ways that you can do that with people around you if, if you're looking for, for opportunities to serve in that way. Our diaconate is forming right now a Healthy Helps team. This is for anyone in our church who is healthy and would like to help with a vehicle or with trips to the supermarket, just in case anyone in our our circle of contacts is quarantined and needs help like that. Another way we can serve is through giving. Um, Our church has um, allotted uh, for this fiscal year $32,000 to our, our diaconate to use for outreach, to use for mercy care. Um, that will probably be tapped out. We're not sure, but there's going to be many, many people with financial needs. And so every every time you give, and when you give to the church, when you especially give to the Easter offering, uh, your gifts are helping us serve people. And then um, one more way, I, I won't belabor the ways to serve, but I, I want to point this out because I think this this might be the most important way you can serve others in the world for the glory of God during the coronavirus. Okay? Okay. Um, many of us, not all of us, but many of us are sharing living space with other people right now. Maybe you have roommates, maybe you're living with your family, you're married or you have children. And um, we all know New York City homes and apartments are small. We're going to be locked in together for several weeks and if it has not if it hasn't already happened to you, we're going to start to get on each other's nerves. It's not easy to be locked indoors. So I think that in God's eyes, the most the people about whom He is most concerned for you to serve them are those people that He's placed right closest to you. So I want to encourage us to look look for ways to encourage and serve and love those those people that we are locked indoors with. Um, so. Uh, Whomever this may be, you know, teens, your parents are probably getting on your nerves. Parents, you're trying to work at home, and also your kids are at school at home. Um, I I wonder what it would be like if every day we would look for a way to go to somebody that we're living with and just say, listen, I know this is hard. Can you tell me one thing I can do today that would just, just make this day a little bit easier for you? And they might just say, yeah, leave me alone. And, you know, if they say that, then give them some grace, give them some space Um, We all get grumpy. It might be that they'll ask, you know, can we can you help with the dishes? Can we can we turn off the news? It's driving me crazy. Whatever it is, whatever, whatever it is for us Never dismiss an opportunity to serve to serve others as being unimportant You, You may not make the headlines of the news But when you help a neighbor or you isolate yourself, or you just show love to a family member These opportunities are very important to Jesus so three observations first God can work in any situation for his glory and our good. Second, opportunities to serve others are very important to Jesus. Third observation. Jesus is the light of the world. I'm going to repeat that. That's important. Jesus is the light of the world. That's what he says in, in the first spot. While I'm in the world, what? I am the light of the world. He said, he said that more... Even with greater clarity, in, in the chapter before this, chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus said this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, when Jesus calls himself the light of the world, light, uh, in, the, in the Hebrew scriptures, light is often a symbol or a metaphor for God himself, Do you remember when the, the Israelites were brought out of Egypt there, and, and God himself led them through the wilderness, there was this pillar of fire, this pillar of light. Very, very often in the words of the prophets and in, in the Psalms, God is pictured as a light for the world. In, in the book of Isaiah, where it's prophesying the coming Messiah, it says he, God will make him a light for the Gentiles, a light for the nations. So Jesus is making a bold claim about his identity right here when he says i am the light of the world he is he is claiming to be he is claiming to be god himself and the one who connects us with the father so when i say that jesus is the light of the world basically what i'm saying is guys people need jesus Every, everyone around us, what, we're thinking, what do we need? Oh, if I could just find some hand sanitizer, if I, if I could just find a mask, if I, could just, if I just had more toilet paper, paper stockpile. We're focused on our needs to the point that sometimes it's becoming absurd. But do you realize that the need of everyone in this world right now, deeper, a deeper need than medical care or physical health is Jesus. Without Listen, without Christ, we are eternally cut off from the Father. Without Christ, we are dead in our sins. Without Christ, we, we are lost in spiritual nightfall. Without Christ, we are without hope of eternal life with God. So I just wanted to bring that to mind. Uh, that this is a time, uh, one of those moments in life when we are, uh, when a truth that the Bible tells us, um, again and again is kind of driven home. That is the fact that our lives here are limited that we are mortal as it says in Psalm 103 um, we are like the grass of the field that withers and is gone its place remembers it no more. Our time is our time is limited. Um, we will someday our life in this world will end. Now listen if, if you if you have Christ, if you've trusted have you trusted in Christ if you have, you have the light of the world. Jesus is with you, and and uh, thoughts about our mortality should not give us any fear at all. John three verse sixteen says, "God so loved the world, he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have what eternal life." So, if, if you've trusted in Christ, or if not, if you're if you're even if you're coming to him in the in in faith for the first time today. Passage. Um, no matter how hard it is right now, God is at work in ways. He's at work in ways that we cannot see, wonderful ways. He's, he's, secondly, He's giving us opportunities to join Him in His work of serving others. And and more than anything else, aren't you, Aren't you so glad we know about Jesus? Aren't you so glad God sent us Jesus? No matter how dark it might seem, Jesus is the light of the world john began his gospel by saying this in john chapter one in the beginning was the word the word was with god and the word was god and he says this about jesus the word in him was life and that life was the light of the world